Welcome to Sisters Usaga, a sci-fi fantasy recap podcast. I'm MK. And I'm Libby. We're two sisters who love to discuss fantasy and sci-fi stories that transport us to worlds more magical than our own. We've noticed that the female perspective is often missing in the sci-fi and fantasy genres, both in the development process and in the fandom discourse. So we're going to examine both old and new epics through feminist-colored glasses. This may lead to thirsting after unsuspecting characters with six-packs. Or throwing shade at sexist tropes that should have long ago been pushed through the moon door. We'll be dissecting all aspects of the films and shows we cover, so be warned, there are spoilers on the road ahead. In this week's episode, we are covering Season 3, Episode 3 of Britannia, um, and I'm a little more excited to talk about this episode because it was better than the last one. So, Libby. I agree. Kick us off. So the episode opens with Kate entering a camp where she makes her way to a bar or tavern and starts playing tricks for money, hiding a coin under cups and having people guess where the coin lands. The guy she's playing with has like a strange face tattoo. He's kind of big and brooding and I thought maybe he'd have more of a part, but I didn't just You don't remember him? Okay. <laughs> no, I remember him. I didn't think he'd play a big part. Okay, cool. I thought and he then... was gonna get pissed and like try and hurt her or something. I feel like he was close to that. Yeah. And then but I will say it was cool that they had an actress with Down syndrome as an extra. Oh, yeah. She even had a line which I loved. Mm-hmm. I like how inclusive they are in the show mm-hmm, for sure in terms of casting she asks kate asks if anyone else wants to try her game and queen antidia appears uh taking her up on her offer she, uh, at first she wins the first one which was kind of surprising to me and i kind of was like suspicious yeah i was like okay maybe this is a setup yeah and then kate wins one and they're kind of hostile with each other they start to discuss how they saw each other the other day on the field and how they're, they're just kind of acting like strangers. But they have a nice rapport between them. And then Antidia puts down a big bag of coins for the final gamble. A crowd gathers. And the fellow from before with the face tattoo puts a big bag on top of Antidia's bag. But Kate ends up winning. And so she wins all this money. And they kind of have an encounter and bicker over the money. And Kate runs off. And Antidia follows. It comes out that they're actually working together. They meet up outside the camp. Did you... You saw that coming, right? I think I did after a minute. Yeah. Did you? I did. I was like, they're definitely in on this together. I wasn't like 100% sure, but I was like, pretty sure. It crossed my mind. Because they never followed up on when... Like, they saw each other in the field already. Yeah. So it was like, did they just not talk? You know. Kate uh, calls her, like, an ugly old bitch as she's running out of the tavern, which is kind (laughs) of hilarious. And then, so they meet up, and Antidia's like, really? Ugly old bitch? Seriously? And and Kate's like, well, it worked, didn't it? Um, None of the men in the tavern follow them, and they ride away together on horses into the sun the sunshine and the children of the revolution starts to play it's pretty epic i feel like i loved that opener with them kind of just riding off together smiling and laughing and it's just very like rock and roll yeah (laughs) i like it so i decided that this episode should be titled the return of the basket hat (laughs) because next we see divis meet up with felin felin and he has his basket hat on i said i can't take 
seriously with the basket hat on. Yeah. But he takes himself very seriously. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's funny. Phelan is being helped by a new but very hot man friend named Rain. Mm-hmm. Just, he's beautiful. Yeah. They're building some sort of bone tower, but Divis kind of walks up in his basket hat and kicks the tower down. Phelan's like, everyone's a critic. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a fine tower to me. Mm-hmm. Rain says, uh, we're the White Ravens, summoned to guard the Baron, and Divis is obviously feeling attacked by that, and he says, you know, Varen, the Varen doesn't need you. He has me. I'm his arrow. <laughs> and then Rain's like, no, dude, we are guarding the new Varen. <laughs> and then he points over to this little, poor little boy. And he's like bald like the Varen. Not yet. He has hair. Oh, not yet. Point. Okay. But the poor thing, he has no idea what's coming for him. So that was a shock, I think, to Divis. Now that the new Varen is here, Quain asks Divis if he can prepare the old Varen for the quote-unquote deep sleep. Not good. Uh, not looking good for old man Varen. MK, my condolences. <laughs> um, Divis is disturbed, shocked that it has come to this, obviously. I think he was hoping that the Varen would pull through. Yeah, for sure. Um, then we cut to Hempel and Willow. Discussing some naughty plan that they have, Willow kisses a dove and whispers in its ear and sends it off. The druids and birds? I don't know. I feel like it's like a thing. Yeah. Like the Varen did the trick with the pigeons. Oh, yeah. That's and good point. Willow's like using birds. I wrote to even Hempel his... seems freaked out by Willa. Or like, kind of just like. She's scared. She's like, what kind of crazy are you? Yeah. Like she's kind of figuring her out maybe or maybe that's just how i took it and she's not like she's so weird but then also willa is very like weird in a different way yeah and so she's just like what's your deal they also seem a little bit like kindred spirits though like the two weirdos from the two different clans no i think hempel is not a kindred spirit with anyone but the people on her side Okay. Hempel and her minions. Sure. The people who serve her. Yeah. Then we cut to Centurion Whitticus, who's talking to this beautiful, beautiful acolyte that we've never seen before, but I'm assuming she's one of Hempel's main acolytes. I would assume. And he's asking her and her people to stop fraternizing with the men. He's like, they're very distracted by... These acolytes who are wearing distracting clothing and just why is jazz per- handing all over the camp. <laughs> why is the perfectus slut shaming that Roman girl? That's what I have in my notes. <laughs> she doesn't seem bothered, to no, be honest. She um, is She's not. enjoying it, actually. And he's basically just trying to lay down the law. And she's just basically like, fuck off. Oh, yeah. Essentially. It's like not even like she cares enough to say fuck off. It's just like, yeah, (laughs) that's funny. Okay, I have to go. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And then there's like another lady in there and all of a sudden they both take their clothes off. She definitely did something to her to make her do that. Yeah, put her under a spell of of some kind. Yeah. But it was still funny. But it was great. Uh, I appreciated it. (laughs) And he goes to report all these things to Alice, who's like, yeah, dude, good luck. I've tried to tell Hempel that a million times. And then he starts bitching about his wife, which is hilarious. It's, and he's like, what is this? Bring your wife to work day. 
I was losing it. <laughs> rich. And then he encourages Whitakiss to go talk to Hempel about it, but it's clearly like a joke that he's playing to entertain himself. He's yeah. Like, Let he's me like, know how you that should goes. Go t- you should go tell Hempel what you're telling me. 100%. Yeah. That's going to go great. And he like laughs about it as he leaves. And poor Whitakiss is like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> See you in a little bit. <laughs> Will- meanwhile, Willow and Hempel are plotting together. They kind of camp out in a spot where they know that Alice is going to walk by and they're like giggling and they're like, <laughs> oh, Alice. Um, basically, they're pressuring him to go to the underworld to talk to Kate's sister. He's clearly like cautious and kind of scared about going back to the underworld. Um, oh, dear. A bit trembly wembly. What are you, chickeny boots? <laughs> oh, piss off. Why? That was a reenactment. <laughs> yeah, it was an exact word for word. But no, I love when she's like, why are you being such a chickeny boots? It's my favorite line. Um, we had different favorite lines, but they're from the same scene. And okay. Mine was, oh dear, a bit trembly wembly. <laughs> yeah, and he was. He was being all those things. And you're kind which of... Which I was surprised by. I was confused by, but then it like flashes to him seeing himself dead mm. when he was when he was in the underworld last time he saw himself dead oh, and so he's good. like traumatized by that does that not happen to that part i don't remember exactly because it was like a lot of flashes but yeah but he's also having flashbacks to his son dying too and she's yes. like well you would tell me if you were having flashbacks to unpleasant things wouldn't you or she's like you would tell me if you saw upsetting things last time when you were in the underworld oh type of thing right Mm -hmm. but i thought she also said if you're like seeing visions now too oh i don't remember that and he was like of course i would i can't lie to you you know everything but i don't think he's telling her no for sure he's not which is ballsy of him because she's bound to find out um Kate and Antidia, meanwhile, are counting their coin out in the woods, and Antidia bestows some great wisdom (laughs) about how to do things better next time. She's just, like, hilarious. I don't even know. She tells this funny story about... I don't even remember the story, but at the end, they all get killed. (laughs) And she's basically saying, like, they should just kill everyone next time. (laughs) I noticed that she called Kate Maggie. Yeah, that was cute. So I... Oh, I just assumed Kate gave her a fake name. Oh, I thought she was just calling her Maggie to be funny. Wait, why would that be funny? Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be something Antidia would do, like just call She'd her just whatever name, name she wants. Yeah, that is very possible. Like suddenly just calling her Maggie. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose she's probably told her a fake name. That's a good point. I like your theory more that she just made up a name for her. Yeah, <laughs> she would. They're getting along really well, and Tidia tells Kate that she's on a revenge mission. Phase one, steal horses. Phase two, find a war chest. Kate's just kind of like, okay. <laughs> Some Roman soldiers go by, uh, and they hide just in time, and then they decide they're going to get more money together, um, and then they'll go their separate ways eventually. But they're, what they've got going right now is working for them in terms of like making money, so they agree to continue. Divis and Quain are contemplating the new Varen. Mm-hmm. When the first man was vanquished, he fell into the Lake of Tears, and the underworld was born. And Quain is talking, like, a lot about some things I don't really understand, but how basically 
he talks about the darkness of the underworld and how they're kind of failing to keep light in the world. It's kind of what I'm translating it all to. And then they flash to a bunch of weird druid flashbacks and he talks about blood um, and it cuts to Jesus being killed on the cross. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just have Quain talks of the end. Okay. What comes after blood? Only blood. Mm-hmm. That was the line. And then Jesus on a cross. Right? I don't Do you remember, remember that, that part? But I just remember blood. <laughs> he, he set up a bleak. Yeah, vision. he just kept saying we failed. We failed at everything. Like it's the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's That's not like looking cool good for the Druids. for, you know, being yep. a downer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Alice is tripping and having a nightmare. He's like rolling around in his bed and having flashbacks to his visit to the underworld, to his son, to the Varen and the witch calling him their newborn baby, which is hilarious. <laughs> that was so funny because that was like such a weird part of like the first season yeah. and i'd completely forgotten mm-hmm. that they said that and then that became like a like a plot point almost in this episode where yeah. he like asks will it later he's like why'd you say i was your baby <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't answer him it's so funny and i'm like is this important he's really hung up on it he's like why do they think i'm their baby i would be hung up on that too because mm-hmm. like it has to mean something with those two like for sure can't be good yeah but essentially, he's having panic attacks in his sleep about yeah. going back to the underworld. Flash to Kate and Antidia making their rounds. They find a handsome, rich fellow to take on and drink with him. He's an oil man, quote unquote. Which, during that time, actually means lamp oil. Mm-hmm. I think when I think of oil man, I'm like, oh, I know. He's in the oil industry. Of course. But um, lamp oil, he's apparently struck it rich with lamp oil. And he kind of starts spilling his secrets to them because they're being very charming and plying and him with lots of wine. Yeah. And they get, they basically get the location out of him for his oil cart. And yeah. Really leave him. Yeah. They leave him in his skivvies weeping and telling a hazelnut how much he loves it. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. I can't even begin. Kate, such a does, good scene. Kate, and Kate does the hypnotize. Yeah. The hypnotizing yeah, skill that she has where she convinces him that he's in love with a hazelnut and it's yeah too good too good i said i loved the music in the background i don't remember what it was but i loved it mm, i don't remember either but it was like good like it was just like a kind of like a thelma and louise mm, totally <laughs> vibe where it was just like two women like getting their money yeah like scamming douchey dudes totally that was, was great like, get it get it get it such a good scene I will say that this, I just feel like the show in general has amazing music. Like, if they, if the music isn't good in a show, especially in a fantasy show, I, like, can't fully go into the world because I'm distracted by the music. Like, The Wheel of Time, I honestly liked The Wheel of Time, but the music was not great, and it took me out of, kind of, the world every once in a while, Hmm. even though the music isn't what it could be but this was i will say that i'm glad you like the music too because that was one of the main reasons that i really love britannia is they just do everything really well yeah including the music okay so the next day they're riding away with their wagon filled with lamp oil which apparently was phase three of antidia's uh, (laughs) revenge mission I like how, like, flexible she is with her plan. Yeah. She's like, lamp oil was always a part of the plan. (laughs) 
Um, and Kate flashes back to her vision on the hot coals when she got impaled by the flaming spear. Yeah. So she's kind of struggling a little bit still, it seems. I said she, it seems like she just keeps having, like, anxiety attacks. Yeah, definitely. Like, pretty consistently throughout this mm-hmm. episode. They head towards another wagon they see on the lower road. It's Roman soldiers, and Kate's very concerned that they're going to recognize her. But Antidia convinces them that they want her lamp oil. Yeah. So they kind of join their caravan and meet up with them at, a, at their camp. She joins, or she makes a bargain with them, and they get to stay in a nice room and eat like kings for the night. But Kate is not happy and wants to leave in the morning. You can tell she's just. I do feel like even though she's like, well, I think, I guess her main concern is that they're going to find out that she's the girl that everyone's looking for. for, But I also feel like she kind of thinks that regardless of that, this is like a bit reckless. Mm -hmm. Like even if people weren't looking for her, like this is still kind of like a bit dangerous, like unnecessary risks. Mm -hmm. Like that this guy's boss like could show up early and find them in his room or like, you know, like it's just like. I feel like Queen Antidia has, like, literally got nothing to lose. And it's just, like, well, we'll see. For sure. (laughs) Some things. But, like, and I think Kate's a little more, like, I don't want to die for your revenge plot. I don't know. basically. But she's also kind of, like, wow, I I actually have a person Mm -hmm. who I'm, like, teaming up with and I'm not alone. And it's better than it was before. Right. Anyways. Agreed. Anya, we meet up with Anya, and she tells Quain that Rome wants to meet with the Baron. And she basically is charged with going to stall the Romans because Rome can't find out that the Baron is on his way out the door, down the stairs, <laughs> to the underworld. Sure. She got um, there. Yeah. Whitticus the Perfectus uh, summons Hempel to have his talk with her about his naughty acolytes. And instead he gets the acolyte who had previously been in discussion He'd been slut-shaming previously. Correct. <laughs> she tries to seduce him. I feel so bad for him. Um, I mean, it works. Hardly. It's not like he's enjoying anything, any of it. I feel like it's It didn't it's seem like he forced. wasn't enjoying it. It did a little. I don't know. But how much sway does she have over what he does? You think maybe he's, she's controlling him? I don't know. Okay, I'm yeah. Asking. That's definitely possible. I think he's scared of her a little bit. Do you? Yeah, possibly. So fear could be kind of a motivator here as well. Sure. Kate, a.k.a. Ivy, which is what Antidia has told the soldiers that Kate's name is, Mm -hmm. is suffering the flashbacks again at the Roman stockade while they're hanging out at the tavern. Mm -hmm. So Antidia is kind of having the time of her life, but Kate steps out for some fresh air. She meets a new friend named Caius. Kate meets a nice gay. Yes. <laughs> it's cute. Um, she, you know, he says, I'm not interested in girls. And she's like, oh, cool. Let's be friends. He reveals that he saw them steal the oil cart from the oil guy. Yeah. And kind of threatens her, but then he's like, not really threatening her. I don't really no, know his he's angle. Not. He's like, he I know what you did. Him? And I know blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh my God. And she's like getting her knife out. And she's like... But he's like, but I hate my boss, basically. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. She's like, oh, cool. Yeah, maybe it was just a device for us, for the audience to know that he knew. 
about it. I feel it. like it was like to build like, oh my God, they're going to get caught. And okay. then it was like, haha, JK. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that makes sense. They kind of have a sweet exchange and he says that she's a bit lost just like him, which I was like, yes, I said that about her la- like in mm-hmm. the first episode. Yeah. When you were saying how much you didn't like her and I was like, I think she's just lost. You like, did she say that. She doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells her to pick a star and send a message home to her father who she misses. Oh, greatly. sweet. Yeah, I liked that. So she does and she tells her dad that <laughs> she's <laughs> found a nice lady who's taking good care of her. <laughs> Meanwhile, the nice lady is knocking out the quartermaster, <laughs> starting her oil cart on fire and sending it off straight into the tavern full of Roman soldiers. The way they set this up was so funny. It's Kate's great. like standing there looking at the stars yep. and she's like, I found someone and she's taking good care of me. And then, like, literally right after she says that, and Hidia comes, like, barreling through with an on with a cart that's on fire, like, screaming. And, and she just, like, blows up this entire tavern. And Kate's just, like, shocked. Like, she's like, what Kate's is like, happening? No, no, fucking hell, no. And there's great rock music playing because it's just, like, an epic moment. And Tidia is... I said Antidia's batshit. <laughs> totally batshit. But she's executing her ven- plan of vengeance. Yeah. I'm not really sure how this fits in, but I'm I sure it sad. does. I Well, does everyone, did I everyone die? I assume that her new f- gay friend died. Yeah, that might be a point of contention for them if she did make a sh- small friend. All the soldiers are on fire. They're running around. And Antidia yells, all is plotius. I'm coming for you. That's kind of her thing. She's like a broken record about it. And Mm -hmm. then she's clearly unhinged. For sure. Then we're at what looks like a druid funeral for the Baron. At the same time, Alice and the witch are traveling to the underworld. So these two things are kind of playing off of each other over the next few scenes. The druid procession is really somber. Everyone's sad. And it does look like he's died. Yeah. Meanwhile, Willa is doing some weird stuff above a well. And Alice is there. I don't even know if she's, like, pulling stuff out of her mouth and then, like... I don't remember that. It's weird. And then... Putting stuff on his face. And then Alice... Yeah. And then Alice is like, so I'm your baby, am I? (laughs) Yeah, I wrote that down. And then he jumps into the well. (laughs) What a way to go. Yeah. And arrives in the underworld. There's a white horse there. He's kind of getting his surroundings. Were you just just like yelling at the TV like I was? Like, oh my God, they're going to be there at the same time. The Varen and Alice are like going to the underworld. Totally. You're kind of seeing it all happen and you're like, oh wow, what's going to, yeah. Like they're going to see each other down there. So he's getting his bearings. Somehow Islaine is there. But then she's kind of flashing in and out of view, kind of like she's a hologram or something. And then. She suddenly becomes the Baron because he's arriving in the underworld at that time. He leads Alice to visit the dead. And suddenly Lucius is there, like Mm -hmm. in a vision, holding a spear that is on fire. So it must be the same spear that Kate is seeing in her visions. Um, And Lucius hands it to Kate, who then holds it up, kind of like the previous uh, thing that he saw when he was in the underworld um, that Alice saw. And then all of a sudden there's tons of spears and they're all on fire and then a crucifix appears and it's very much like Christianity. And they're all, they all look like crosses. Yeah. The spears all look like crosses and there's just like a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Christianity. <laughs> Christianity? Is that what's happening? I don't know who's 
Yeah. It's... I have to say, I did feel really stupid. Why? Well, okay. Okay, in season two, some guy comes to Lucius, and he's like, I know you still have the spear you used to kill Jesus. And Lucius mm-hmm. is, like, denying it. He's like, I don't have it. And then when Kate was hit with a flaming spear mm-hmm. in her vision, you were like, oh, I bet that has something to do with Lucius's spear. And I was like... Um, I really don't think so, Libby. Like, that's really stupid. Mm. And you're like, you're so right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, you are definitely right. And definitely that had to have represented the spear that Lucius is supposedly mm-hmm. maybe still has. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Like, the flaming spear went through her, and then she was, and then he had it and handed it to her, and then she held it up. So it's like, the flaming spear is a thing. It's all coming together. But I don't know what it means. <laughs> Christianity. Yeah, Christianity. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus. Although none of them know any of Jesus' teachings, so I don't even know how they would begin to evangelize Christianity there. That's a valid point. We'll see. Divis is asleep on the tomb. I think this is the last scene of the episode. Divis is asleep on Varen's tomb. You can tell he's bumming. He lost his buddy. It's morning, and everyone's left this funeral that they had for him, and I guess everyone assumes he's dead in this tomb. But then all of a sudden, Divis kind of lifts his head up from the stone, and he hears this rock tapping on the stone, and it's Varen alive in the tomb, um, which is kind of a fun... Excuse me. Oh, yeah. I'm alive. <laughs> Please let me out. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. MK, what did you think I of this screamed. episode? Did you? I was like, ah, he's alive. I don't know. Like, I thought he was dead for sure. I thought he was dead. He was in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden he's like, excuse me. Let me out. <laughs> um, I thought this episode was a lot better than the second episode. and For sure. I thought there was a lot of fun stuff happening with Antidia and Kate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was interesting that Alice went back into the underworld. And I, I loved, like, I felt like I was like, oh, this is like, when he goes into the underworld, you know you're going to see, like, an like iconic imagery of some sort. Like, something that's really going to matter to the show. Mm-hmm. Like, something that's going to be really important for the overall story when he goes to the underworld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means business. Mm-hmm. So, like, seeing that, like, Lucius hand Kate. Yeah. The spear, I was like, oh, thank you. That like, part wasn't I'm, there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I'm relieved to have, like, some answers and kind of like more like hints to what's to come Mm -hmm. and stuff like that I feel like it was moving the plot forward and I feel like the last episode was like moving it forward like so slowly sure and I felt like this was like moving it forward a little bit quicker and so that was like interesting to me agreed and I'm excited about Kate and Antidia just as a pair because like I think you know, if, I guess if you think about their storyline, like, it didn't go forward a ton, but it was just, like, fun to watch them. Mm-hmm. So it, like, made up for it in a Their way. relationship building is yeah fun. And when how she pretends that she's her daughter. Yeah. It's fun to see Kate, like, with a, another female who's, like, kind of like a mentor type mm-hmm. figure. Like, that was really fun to see. Definitely. She needs it desperately. She does. I was, I just will say that I'm pleasantly surprised by how big of a role Antidia has had this season. I didn't think we would ever see her again, to be honest. You know, at the end of season two, there's no hint that she would have any sort of a role, but I'm glad she 
is back because I just love her character and the actress who plays her just like steals every scene I think so for sure okay well that's the recap all right so it is time to decide who our chosen one of the episode is so I am gonna say Kate I know like jaws on the floor yeah like two previous episodes I haven't been exactly thrilled with her but I feel like she was kind of she seems to be so happy with Antidia until the end of the episode obviously Mm -hmm. when you know Antidia does the thing and because she was a little she was a little bit more her old self like kind of the Kate that like we knew before this season Mm. I feel like and so that's why I liked her more she had she showed more vulnerability Mm -hmm. and I and like I was like oh she's still her she's just kind of putting this mask on Mm -hmm. for the past two episodes and obviously like she's grown as well she's not exactly the same person anymore right. she is a lot tougher mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing i think i just like to see her vulnerability as well and i think that showed in this episode when she talked to that that nice gay mm-hmm. and i talked she talked to the star she talked to her yeah, dad it's kind of like dad. it's so sweet yeah it's like she really is just a kid mm-hmm. and then also because in the underworld premonition she looked like a pretty big deal so i feel like she wins the episode also because it's like She's like a big part of the. I mean, we already know pro- she's the chosen. The prophecy, yeah. We don't know what it means, but she's definitely a big deal, for sure. And I feel like we know now. I feel like the first prophecy, it was like her, like with the Sparta sign, like on fire. Oh yeah, I thought. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. And like her dad was like standing next to her, mm-hmm. um, and there was kind of like, I assume dead bodies around her. I don't remember like totally, but like there was like some sort of battle, and they won. It seemed like. Yeah. And I feel like. I was like, okay, so at some point we'll see her holding the Sparta sign on fire and, like, it'll be the end. Mm. And I feel like now I'm like, okay, it was more like uh, – Foreshadowing or, like, It was – it wasn't, like, on. an exact – this is exactly what's mm-hmm. going to – what it's going to look like, how it's going to happen. But it's, like, she will be the end of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is just kind of, like, another element to it is, like, she'll be the end of the Romans, but she'll also be bringing in this new era. It kind of seems like. Mm-hmm, it does. In a way, but – I guess I'll say Antidia because she's, you know, literally gone from last episode where she was, like, wearing a cage around her neck and living in a well and just literally in miserable living conditions, treated terribly by these awful people. And now she's, like, drinking Roman wine and sleeping in a beautiful, luxurious bed and... Just really living her vengeance dream. Mm-hmm. Everything is working out for her. Yeah. So I would have to say that she's definitely the one she's who thriving. won the episode mm-hmm. for me. Now it's time to do our arsehole mm-hmm. of the episode. My pick is Alice. And that's because he let Willa and Hempel bully him into going to the underworld, even though he was, like, clearly not wanting to do it and was scared. And I feel like just lame that you let people just, like... Well, and he always claims he's in charge. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. And then also because when he got there, like, he had one job to do, and it was to, like, talk to Isleen and be like, hey tell Kate to whatever. I don't even know, like, what they were going to do. And I don't understand how I thought that plan was going to work. Once he got there, he saw Kate being awesome again and probably yeah. beating his ass again. 
And he was supposed to go there to talk to Isleen, and then he failed. And he basically just saw again that yeah. Kate is, like, the key to everything. And he's it's like pouring salt in a wound. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all this, like, really didn't have a great episode. Not at all. He got, like, intimidated into doing going to the underworld. Then he failed his job at the underworld. Then he saw again that Kate's going to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's mine. How about you? I think Willow, for me, is the arsehole of the episode. She's just kind of a slimy snake going wherever she thinks will get her the most power or get her the most... Probably the most power is the right way to put it. But she's... Like, why is she in bed with the Romans? Like, I just don't understand. Like, it's... It's not a good look for her. Like, she should go back to her druid peeps. Like, she's betraying them. But I'll just say, I didn't... I just didn't like her vibe this episode. Yeah. And then she was, like, super gross when she was doing that underworld ceremony. And I was just like... (laughs) please leave. I'm like, I want to be a witch and I want to be a cool witch, but I don't want to be like her kind of witch. Yeah, like wash your face at least. So gross. And yeah, I mean, some days I feel like I look like her, so maybe it's just like a little too close to home. But... (laughs) Our final segment of the episode is what has been enchanting us this week. Okay, so mine, Libby's going to hate it probably For sure. because it's a reality show. <laughs> it's not Summer House this time, but I just watched a show called Your Mom, My Dad. Okay. And it's like a HBO dating show for like parents, but it's like the setup is really interesting because basically like they have one of their children nominate them to go on the show and it's called like the second chance retreat okay and so it's like all these parents in like their 40s 50s and they have like college age kids and um basically the kids are in one house and the parents are in the other house and the parents don't know that the kids are watching them oh my god (laughs) and so these like college age kids are like watching like their 40s and 50 year old parents like date each Uh, other (laughs) sounds terrible okay the concept sounds awful and i was like not interested in it all and then i tried it and i freaking loved it (laughs) It so good it was just like i love i just i feel like i watch a lot of dating shows like that's like the genre of reality tv that i like really like the most and it was just like refreshing to see older people dating because it was like so different and i feel like it was just like so mature (laughs) I just feel like they're not that old, so it's like, (laughs) back off. Wait, so how does it end then? So they end up finding out that their kids have been – so there's another part to it, too, where the kids can meddle in, like, what's going on. And the parents are told that, like, these dating experts are, like, giving them, you know, advice or, like, doing things for them, but it's their kids. Cute. I might watch. We'll see what happens. That sounds kind of... I'm kind of surprised I I convinced you. We'll see. You're a hard audience. I have a lot of time. I watch a lot of Dinosaur Train, <laughs> uh, Wild Kratts, and yeah. Dino Dana. So I'm pretty booked up. But we'll see what happens. For sure. I will say I'm not really watching much right now other than children's shows, but I'm excited for Outlander to start. 
I'm also excited for the Last Kingdom season five question mark to come out. So I, I'm really excited for some things that are on the docket here coming up for March. Um, it's so interesting because I feel like you're not doing this on purpose, but like literally every week you've said something fantasy related. The, and you're definitely, I don't feel like you're doing it on purpose. But then last week you did the fantasy, a fantasy book series. And the week before that you did a sci-fi series. I know. I like fantasy. I don't know if you knew that. Um, <laughs> I know, but it's just funny because I haven't done that at all. <laughs> well, okay. The one other one I was going to mention was I did watch the first episode of The Gilded Age on HBO. That does intrigue me. And I will say that it wasn't as good as I was hoping. Um, as someone who loved Downton Abbey, I was like really excited for basically like the American version. Um, but since Downton Abbey, I feel like Bridgerton has come along and it was just so good that pretty different there was totally. a lot <laughs> different yes but Better. still definitely <laughs> so I just feel like that really raised the bar even from in my opinion from Downton Abbey because I I do think Downton Abbey can be funny but it's yeah. definitely not you know a comedy drama I don't think the way that Bridgerton right. was so I was hoping for a little bit more of like a lighthearted comedy feel to the Gilded Age which maybe I was wrong to expect but it was definitely much more of a drama, and the characters were interesting. But and I will probably finish it. But I wasn't as excited about it as I thought I would be. I guess I will say. And that wraps it up for this episode of Sisters Who Saga. Thanks for listening. And remember, don't be a chickeny boots. See you later. Oh, <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>